This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's that time again, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Golden Edge Podcast. It is because of you that we are, we used to be number one, we're number four right now in the entire planet in podcasts, in a number that is just completely random. We thank you guys for listening. Just off the podium at the Olympics. Much, much appreciate that. Uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with you not being here last week, Ben, but... I like to think it did. Here's what happens, and we have talked about you before being just a very happy, like genuinely just uplifting, good person. Uh, I don't understand that in any way. I've never, it's, it's never been something that's part of my... Uh, my mindset or my upbringing, I guess. Uh, but last week, you were not here, so things got a little down, I think. Now, it was, I think, me, for the most part. Uh, Dave Shane, who is our, you know, our very, very good uh, beat writer who handles the beat most of the time, is actually up in Chicago right now. He, like me, is a bit, uh, I would say, pessimistic in his worldview, uh, like I am. So without you here, my negativity... With his somewhat pessimistic side, things got ugly. I'm here to bring balance to the force. I'm I'm basically Luke Skywalker is what I'm getting out of this. I, th- I think that yes, I don't understand that reference whatsoever. Oh, I'm that's not, unfortunate. I know. I've, you know, I've never. I don't think we've talked about this on this podcast for sure. I've never seen a single Star Wars movie of any sort or Star Trek anything. Star Trek is fine. Star Wars is just unacceptable. Okay. Should I watch them? Oh, absolutely. I got an order for you, like ready to go. I've done this to multiple people okay. before. So yeah, I, don't, I just, I don't, I generally don't watch things that are based on things that can't happen. Interesting. Yeah, that's like generally my. We're thing. very opposite. But then people call me out that on the fact that I like Family Guy, and that's really can't fantastic show. Can't happen either. Incredible show. I like to think it could. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I have, I've never seen one of those, so I don't get the reference, but I appreciate it. I'm sure it's accurate. I'm sure it's good. Uh, you are bringing the. The optimism back, and I think it's at a good time because things are looking up for the Golden Knights. I'd say right it's now. appropriate right now. Much like Texas, the Golden Knights appear to be back. Uh, three... Wait, is Texas back? Texas was back two years ago, according to Joe Testor. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And now, now the Golden Knights are Texas because they've won three in a row. They've won four out of five. Uh, as we sit right here, it's a Tuesday afternoon, so before their game against the Chicago Blackhawks, they're third in the Pacific Division. That means they're in line for a playoff spot right now. Those three wins in that three-game winning streak, all against Pacific Division foes. So they are playing a lot better recently. They're starting to score again. We talked so much this year. They're not scoring enough goals. The first 20 games of the year, they average about two and a half goals per game, which is way off their average from last year. The last five games, 3.8 goals per game. They're scoring again. People are playing well. Everyone in the lineup seems to be stepping up. And all of a sudden, a lot of problems you had for the first 20 games have been wiped away by one good stretch. It's amazing. Now, last week, as we mentioned, it was you know, it was me and Dave, and I was actually up in – wow, it was all over the place. I can't remember. I was in Calgary doing the podcast today back. Maybe it's maybe it's not 
the way that they're playing that's changed the attitude here. Maybe it's the fact that I'm not in Calgary. I'm back in our luxurious studios here, our podcast studios. That the does help. Journal. That's maybe why things are looking up on the up and up again. But again, last week when we recorded this, it was coming off another very inconsistent stretch of games for the Knights. They had gone to Edmonton, put it all together, looked very good in Nate Schmidt's debut, and then kind of threw that all away, but with a terrible performance against Calgary. And that's what we had seen out of the Golden Knights throughout the season. Really good performance, really bad performance. Average performance, terrible performance. It was just, it was up and down and up and down. I think one of the things that has happened now is building some consistent performances. It wasn't like there was never any good games. It was that they'd follow up a really good one with a bad one. Now they've kind of stacked up some good positive performances on top of each other. And I think that you're starting to see a little bit um, of what this team can be. And that's one of the things we talked about last week. If you you know if you are listening each and every week as you should be uh, to this podcast, we one of the things we said last week was it was a very very negative you know discussion that we had about the Knights because of where they were. But at the end of it, we said, you know what's interesting though, they they could win the next three games, and all of a sudden the entire outlook on the season changes, and that's actually what has happened. That's exactly what happened. It's as bad as it was, and I don't think it was. I don't think we were even overstating how bad it was because it was completely inconsistent. And you heard the players say after the games, we just can't put two good performances together and we can't figure out how to do that. And I don't know when we will. And so we were, it was a, an accurate portrayal of where the team was then. But I think now it's a very accurate portrayal to be in a very positive place. And it's only been a week. Right. And this three-game winning streak that they're currently on is the first time they put back-to-back wins together in over a month. Yeah. It was mid-October when they put back-to-back wins together. Then they do it here in late November. So it had been a long time. We're not just making that up that they're not putting back-to-back performance. That's literally they were going, you know, alternating wins and losses. It seemed like clockwork. But now it seems like Max Pacioretty playing consistently well. Nate Schmidt really helped on that blue line. Not just the presence he brings, but then kind of the domino effect he brings throughout the lineup where now you're seeing a guy like Colin Miller play so much better Kind of, and you see like the burden of not having to be a top line defenseman kind of yeah. lifted off his shoulders. He can go back to kind of just being the offensive guy in a pair rather than like trying to worry about too much having to play defense and carry the load of playing all these extra minutes. Right. And I, I know, I'm sure there's some people that kind of, you know, you don't kind of understand how that works. But when you have your role changed on a team, when you, you know, when you're a defenseman, you're like, okay, you're just a defenseman. Well, there's defensemen with different roles in different places where they're comfortable. Colin Miller was thrust into a role with Nate Schmidt out where, as you were saying, he was forced to be a defensive-minded, lock down the other team's top line, worry about your defensive assignments all the time, and worry about that first. And now he's freed up to not worry, have those responsibilities. He's not playing his top lines on the other side for the most part. He can focus on doing what he does best because he's back in a more comfortable role, and you're seeing the result of that where he was hitting post before. Was that all luck? Was that Or was that... You know, maybe trying a little bit too hard to force your offense when you know you're so, you're worried so much about your defense, and now all of a sudden a couple of shots go in. I think you're starting to feel the confidence a little bit from him, and it's the same with a guy like Max Pacioretty, which is a different scenario. But I think he finally is getting comfortable. He's finally back from his injury, kind of to full strength. He said he felt like he was starting to play better, but now you're seeing the results. He's getting settled into a line where you know it was kind of mixed and matched all the way through. Now they've been together for a couple weeks. He's been back to full full health, and you're seeing what he can do. I remember 
you know, what, 10 days ago, people were like, what a dumb trade. Why did they even get this guy? Yeah, now you're seeing. He is, a, he is, if there's one thing he does, he is an elite goal scorer and he's finding the net now. He's getting comfortable and that's had a huge impact on this team. Yeah, and it was kind of fair to question that trade. He had four points through the Knights' first 20 games, and this is after, I mean, James Neal, I think, had 19 at the same point last year. This is the guy you basically swapped for, saying Max Pacioretty is a better two-way player, and he's going to upgrade our second line over James Neal. But then he wasn't producing, and then all of a sudden he has this hot stretch. Like you said, I think the chemistry between that second line has been absolutely outstanding between he, Cody Eakin, and Alex Tuck. And now you're seeing why a guy like Max Pacioretty is worth all the money that they're going to start paying him next year because they also handed him an extension after the trade and why they need a guy like that who can just score from seemingly anywhere and just generate offense with his shots pretty much instantaneously. So that is, uh, I think that to me is the biggest thing. Certainly the, the defensive pairing is kind of getting settled back in with Nate Schmidt coming back. They, they mix and match a little bit after the first couple of games. Now they seem to be in a place where they're very comfortable again. Um, I know Nate Schmidt was talking about when he was playing with Shea Theodore, it's kind of two offensive-minded guys, and you're trying to figure out which one has to stay back, which one can get involved offensively. Now he's back settled into uh, you know a more familiar role. Colin Miller has found his role. The defensive pairings and the, and the responsibilities, I think, is a big factor. But I do think the biggest factor right now is that second line and how they're playing, how they're getting comfortable, how they're getting so much production. Um, you know, You've had the fourth line being aggressive and – creating opportunities and really wearing down the other team. That's been kind of a consistent all year. The first line hasn't been as productive as they hoped, but they're still, you know, a problem. They're still a problem for other teams. They're still, you know, they still have to be planned for and accounted for. And teams have to, you know, certainly be aware of where they are at all times. They've been productive enough. But that second line, and that's so much of the offseason talk. I mean, how many times did we talk about that leading up to the season, in the offseason, they get patch ready. Who's going to play on that side with them? And it was supposed to be Stastny, but you know he was supposed to be in the center. He got hurt, but now they've they've really settled into themselves and found themselves. And that second line, I believe the emergence of them has been the biggest factor in this team finding consistency. Absolutely, it's been completely key. So much so that I'm going to be very intrigued when Paul Stastny finally does come back, where they slot him into the lineup. You know, it's funny. I was literally just having that conversation with somebody yesterday. I, I mean, I think the natural thing is. He was supposed to be that second-line center. He was supposed to play next to Patch Reddy. They were friends coming into this. That was going to be how it works. But when he is back, and it might be a month, we, we don't know yet. We still don't know. very quiet about it. When he's back, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just ask you, what would you do? Because there's no way I'd put him right back on the second line. No, I don't either. I think, and knowing Gerard Gallant and how he kind of operates and how he's, for lack of a better word, superstitious a little bit of he does not mess with anything that's working. Like, after a win... He usually does not make any lineup changes after a win unless there's injuries that force his hand. He's kind of, if it's not broke, don't fix it, don't mess with it, just let things play out. And then when you lose or play poorly, then make a change. So I'm guessing Paul Stasny's not going to go back on that second line if they're still playing this well, and Cody Eakin will have to lose the second line center job in order for, yeah. for Paul Stasny to get it back. And the other the other thing that you'd have to think about in that scenario, and by the way, this is you know a couple weeks down the road at least, but it's, I think it's interesting to talk about when the second line is playing so well is that the third line is still a problem. Mm-hmm. The third line is still like, – they've created a couple more chances the last couple games, but the third line is still – there's a lack of production on the third line that is a concern. So and a lack of defense. Yeah, and Stastny is a really good playmaker. Um, I, I feel like he's the kind of guy that he might fight it. He might not want to be in that position. Um, you know, He might not want to – 
uh, come back and, and try to find a different role. But at the same time, I think you can put him with, you know, a couple wings and let him just be the playmaker in the center and kind of hold down that spot and certainly help solidify the defense on the third line. So I think in addition to just not wanting to break up the second line, I think it helps the third line try to find some production at some point. Absolutely. And we haven't even mentioned yet outside of that second line. Also, your goaltender is playing outstanding if you're the Golden Knights. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury has just absolutely been on fire. I mean, he posted shutouts in back-to-back games literally two consecutive days for the first time personally since 2014. It was the first time it had happened in the NHL since the end of the 2016-17 season. Uh, we actually do have some sound from Flurry after those back-to-back shutouts. Let's see what he had to say after hitting that milestone. Yeah, it's a, got two games in two nights against uh, division rivals and uh, games that means a lot right now. Right, I was trying to uh, climb up because way back in the standing, you know. So uh, you know, it's fun to get at home. Get a couple wins. Like, every day. I think I was feeling good, right? Relaxed, composed, and. Uh, so lucky in here and there. Angelin make it a big save there at the end at the bad side of the net. But you know, little things make shut all happens. So that was Marc Andre Fleury, goaltender, as you mentioned uh, before. We heard from him on an incredible run. Certainly the three straight wins, played back to back games, two straight shutouts. Really, really impressive. I mean, this is what you expect from him, though. Like this is why they brought him in. This is why they got him. I know nobody expected that the team was going to be as good as they were. But he, everybody thought this is one solidifying force in goal. If other things go wrong and break down, he will be able to bail you out on some, you know, on some level. And he's been above and beyond that. He's been spectacular uh, for a year and a half. Not to throw cold water on it, but that's what I do with everything. I I think there is concern about how much he's playing. And you know, I wrote about that today. I talked to him a little bit. I talked to Galan about it yesterday. Um, I, I noticed that the other day they were playing back to back. They never play. You know, flurry in the same, you know, back-to-back days. But this was a unique situation. An afternoon followed by a night game, both at home, no travel. So it made sense. But I just saw, like, the whole Golden Knights Twitter world just like, you have to play him again, you have to play him again, you have to play him again. And I get it. I understand you want the wins and you want to keep the momentum going. But you do have to play your backup goaltender at some point. And if you're not going to play him in those obvious situations, I, I, I don't know when you're going to find time to get him in. You have to plan for several reasons. One, you need to rest Flurry. That's first and foremost. He's never started more than 65 games on a pace to start 69 this year. He's 34 years old tomorrow, uh, I believe is his birthday. So, you know, he's starting to get up there. He's not old, but he has had, you know, he's had some injury problems in the past. Like, you want to make sure he's rested. It's about making the playoffs, but it's about doing something when you get there. You don't want to be exhausted when that happens. You need to find rest. And, you also need to find some confidence from Malcolm Subban if he's going to be your backup goaltender. Now, if you don't think he is and you're going to get rid of him, do it. But if if he's going to be your backup goaltender and you may need him at some point, say Flurry goes down again like last year, you're going to need some confidence in that guy and you're going to need him to have confidence in himself. You need to play him at some point. Yeah, that's the biggest argument to me. I'm not super worried about Marc-Andre Flurry's workload yet. We'll see moving forward. But right now I think he's in such a zone where you kind of get him the games right now that you can because, I mean, he was just named the NHL second star of the week. Yeah. He's had five shutouts through 25 games. He's one of only 10 players to ever do that in history. He actually did it once with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but still an incredible feat for him this early in the season. So when he's in this much of a zone, I don't mind trying to get him an extra game here or there. 
But then later in the season, once we get to the dog days, kind of in the middle, and then maybe toward the end as you're gearing up, potentially toward the playoffs, if they are indeed still in the race at that point, you do need to find him some games. But I do think the biggest argument of playing Subban in one of those two games is not the Flurry rest thing. It's getting Subban confidence because right now he's 0-4 in his starts. He has a 4.02 goals against average. He is just really struggling, and it's not all his fault. No. And his teammates have pointed this out. Gerard Gallant pointed this out the other day. I mean, the defense has played, I think, really poorly in front of him. He has just been hung out to dry a lot in his starts. I don't know if he necessarily has anything to do with that. I don't think so, but that is kind of a weird trend yeah. that it seemed to have happened in all of his starts. His save percentage is only 86% right now, which is not good. No. And so he's it's obviously— better than mine would be and probably better than true. yours would be, but it's not good for he an NHL goaltender. You know, <laughs> cover up a lot of space in the net. Yes. No, and he's not playing poorly, but it's still, I'm sure, it's hard for him to feel confident given the results so far. So at some point, I mean, home games, I think, would be one way to do that is you get him a start at home, you get the crowd behind him, and hopefully get him a little bit more juiced up. And you have players potentially maybe more juiced up to play at home in front of the crowd and get energy from the crowd rather than playing him in tough places to play, like at Pittsburgh, at Boston, where there's a lot of opposing fans there. Those are two very good franchises you're going up against, even though Pittsburgh is struggling. play at Nashville? He played at Nashville. Those are tough ass of your backup goaltender on the road, especially. And so that's you're not putting him in great positions right now to feel good about his game when he is, as you mentioned, a guy you need with a 34 year old goaltender. You will need Malcolm Subban a lot more this year, and you need to get more out of him this year. And so at some point, I do think once Flurry cools off a little bit here, you need to get Subban some home games. And just whatever you can do to get his confidence up so that he can start to play better throughout the rest of the season. Like I said, even though the numbers aren't necessarily his fault. No. And I think, you know, you look back in, uh, at the Calgary game in particular where, I mean, there were seven goals. I thought five of them were almost impossible. Five of them I just write off and say nobody's stopping those. Um, but there's two two that got by. And I think a lot of – a lot of what goes wrong is confidence-related. I think he's a guy who's a first-round pick, ultra-talented. There's no question about his ability. I think his the questions always have been mentally and, and you know how confident he is and everything else. Does he believe that he can be an elite-level goaltender? I think other people there's other people that have looked watched him and believe that he can be, but I don't know if he believes it at this point. And it's, it's not helping. Like I said, when you have a situation that's obviously one where you would usually play him, and you don't. And I'm sure he gets it. Like, hey, Flurry's on a great run. They're going to keep him in there. But his lasting memory right now is still that 7-2 to shelling at Calgary. So when they do put him back in there, after not playing him in his usual spot, I, I am very interested to see how he's feeling about it and uh, how he's able to perform. And uh, they're going to need him very much at some point soon. Well, a lot that we've gotten into. Uh, there's a road trip right now. Uh, as we said, it's Tuesday, so they play Chicago, Vancouver, Edmonton. They were just in Edmonton. They go back. Uh, so Dave will be up there. You can check him out. Um, wanted to hear a little bit about the uh, the game the other day as well. We uh, we discussed it's three straight wins. They certainly had the, um, had the win at Arizona, the overtime win, which I thought was a really, really impressive one uh, for their confidence and, and for – kind of just believing in their process in that it wasn't a game where they came out and just played unbelievably well. They played well. They had a lead in the third period. They gave it up. It was 2-1, to one, went to 2-2, two, two, 
And when you give up that lead late in the game like that, I think there's a tendency to kind of let down, but they didn't. They came out, and as they talked about, they won the next shift, and then they they found a way to kill off a penalty at the end of the game, get that overtime goal, and it clearly triggered uh, some good feeling for them coming home because they ended up playing two of their uh, two of their better games, as we talked about. They shut out two divisional opponents, and that's another thing. Listen, two of the things that this team were really, really, really good at last year, and they were good in a lot of ways, but winning winning at home, they dominated at home ice, and then the other one was winning against the division. They completely dominated the division, and they are doing that again. They're doing both of those things. So while there has been some inconsistencies, especially on the road, and there's been some letdowns even at home, those two things are still trademarks of this team. And we saw it again the other night. Uh, as, as you said, they beat Calgary, but then San Jose, who is kind of developing into a rival, they dominated them. And San Jose has been pretty good. Uh, that was a really impressive performance uh, on Saturday. And Riley Smith, one of those uh, top liners we've talked about, he's been he's been pretty outspoken. He was really really outspoken about what happened in Calgary after that game. He you know came right out. There was only a couple of reporters there, but he came right out and wanted to talk about it and said it was embarrassing and they need to get things figured out. They kind of have. And uh, let's hear a little bit from Riley Smith after the San Jose game, which was the third straight win for the Golden Knights. Grind. It's not over yet, but when you're able to come home, you got to pick up wins, um, especially against divisional opponents. So, Flower did a great job, you know, standing on his head and you know, two straight shutouts. That's uh, that's really a big feat in this league. So, um, you know, hats off to him. But I think up and down our lineup, we, we had a you know strong weekend. All right, so they're coming off the San Jose game again against Chicago tonight, start of a three game road trip. What do you expect out of this trip, and, and can can they keep going the momentum that they've kind of built over these last three games? I think they can. They're playing some teams that you should have a chance to beat. I mean, Chicago has played pretty poorly to start the season. They've already fired their coach, Joe Quinneville. He's already out of there. You're going at Edmonton, who also just fired its coach. They now have Ken Hitchcock on the bench, and that's a division opponent that you should be able to take care of business against to keep climbing in these standings. And like we've mentioned a lot of times before, if you can win these division games, you have a chance because this division is so soft right now. There are literally only two teams in the Pacific that have a positive goal differential, and one of them is not the Vegas Golden Knights because no. they are still at minus one. Everyone else outside of the Coyotes has a double-digit deficit in goal differential, and the Coyotes are at minus nine. There's a lot of bad teams in this division. So if you're the Knights, if you just take care of business against these Pacific Division opponents, you're going to be in good shape. There you go. So they got some more chances uh, after Chicago, play a couple more uh, divisional opponents, and they can try to rack up those points, which we talk about the players all the time. They're four-point games because you take two points away from the other teams in your division and uh, try to get two points of your own. Uh, so they've got those games coming up. We'll see if they can continue uh, playing the way that they are playing and the way that uh, they believe is uh, is what the actual uh, Knights team looks like. This is what they're uh, what the, what they're feeling right now. It's kind of looking the same. Actually, uh, William Carey had an interesting point about that the other day. He was asked if they are back to what they were, and he he refused to answer. Basically, he said, "Yeah, I don't I don't want to jinx what we're doing. I don't want to say yes we are, and then all of a sudden we're not again. We're inconsistent." So, you know, there, there's an awareness, but other other players certainly have said, "Hey, this feels more like." what we were last year so we'll see if they're able to maintain that that is always the challenge finding it is one thing maintaining it uh is certainly um another and we'll see if they're able to do that 
Ben, you brought the optimism back. I tried. You brought the you know the level of uh, I guess I don't I don't want to say happiness. You just brought that like a boisterousness. You know, it was Thanksgiving. I went home, just was thankful for a lot of things. Of course, you, our producer Larry Mir, <laughs> and everyone who helps make us the number four podcast in the world. I'm thankful for all of you guys. Hopefully we, we rise. Just like the Knights are rising up the division standings, hopefully we uh, we rise up and uh, beat some of those. I don't know what you even know what some of those other podcasts are. They're very weird. But definitely listen to us, subscribe to us. And you know what? There's a lot of a lot of uh, Review Journal podcasts that are really taking off right now. I think we were the trendsetters. I mean, I think Obviously. there's no question about that. Uh, but there are other people here at the Review Journal doing great work. Check them out. They are also here. I don't know if they describe it the same way. The luxurious Review Journal podcast studios. They should. They are. I mean, it is. It's tough to deny how incredible these palatial and wonderful surroundings are. So uh, we appreciate that. Uh, listen to all the podcasts from Review Journal. Check out all of our coverage. Ben Goats, Adam Hill, Dave Shane on the road with the team. So make sure you follow along with him. ReviewJournal.com, The Golden Edge, and. All of our videos as well. Check those out. We're going to go on Facebook Live right now. Although when you hear this, it will be we've already done it. But you can go check that out and check us out every week. Next Tuesday, we'll be with you again. And that'll be before the rematch, the second rematch of the season of the Stanley Cup Final. The Capitals, the next home game at T-Mobile Arena for the Golden Knights. We will talk to you again very soon. The Golden Edge Podcast, Adam Hill, Ben Ghost. We'll talk to you then. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.